Welcome back to Don't Call It A Book Club. My name is Luke. My name is Dan. Keeping going with Malazan Book of the Summer. Malazan Book of the Summer, Luke. It's (laughs) still here. Love Malazan. It's still here. It's still summer, you guys. I think. Are we? Are we in the dog um, days of the Malazan Book of the Summer? Have we? Have we entered the dog days yet? I think so. Okay. So, welcome to these dog (laughs) days of Malazan Book of the Summer. (laughs) Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. Memories of Ice Mm -hmm. is the book that we are starting today. This one's a little bit different. We're doing quarters for this. It's a long. It's a long book, so we're cutting it into quarters. Today we've read through part one, and that's where we stopped. But we got to get warmed up, mm-hmm. Dan. Got to get warmed up. I want to talk about my close personal friend, Bo Burnham. Oh yeah, friend of the pod, friend of the pod. <laughs> uh, his his newest special, I guess, not stand up. Um, I think just. Uh, got nominated for a bunch of awards. Oh, did it? I think it's actually going to going to be in theaters like today, the day that we're recording this. I think like for like one day kind of thing. Interesting, because because people loved it so much. I'm a fan of Bo Burnham. Mm-hmm. Dan will know this. We went to a Bo Burnham special together back when he was touring. That's right. Uh, pretty good. Cincinnati. Shouts out, Bo. <laughs> Shouts out. I don't think this one's very good. (laughs) (laughs) Whoa. All right. All right. Sure. It's a hot take. That's why I opened this way because I know that it's a hot take because people loved it. Yeah. Hit me with it, Luke. And I know that it's a different style. By the way, it's it's the one called Inside. Oh, yeah. If you haven't haven't seen it, it's, it's his special, like, kind of pandemic related. Um... What's your what was your impression before I like go go into details? Yeah, so like going in, thought it was gonna be a funny thing. Going in, I was like, oh, this is gonna be a goofy, silly, kind of fun experience that we're gonna see. Going out, I was like, hmm, I need some time to recover from that, because that was a lot to deal with, Bo. And like, I don't wanna say I necessarily enjoyed it. Uh but I like it was an experience, and it felt like a meaningful one. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. So I am. I recognize that it's not like a traditional comedy mm-hmm. routine. Mm-hmm. That's not like that's not the reason that I didn't particularly like yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I think that this. I didn't think that it was like bad. To be clear. I don't think that I would be making this comment if I hadn't been under the impression that it was like phenomenal. Uh-huh. If that makes sense. Yeah. Cuz I was I was actually kind of late to it. I watched it relatively recently mm. and had heard like glowing reviews. Interesting. Uh-huh. And I think that there were some parts that were really cool that I really liked that I think were very like interesting. Mhm. But I think that the like majority of his songs were like based on a cultural criticism that was either kind of outdated or like somewhat uninteresting. Interesting, interesting. Um, 
Wow. Okay. Like, okay, it's, it's a couple examples. Yeah. He does a few observations about how, like, the internet has ruined us and, like, yeah, like, we're getting bombarded with things yeah. constantly all the time. Yeah. I, that feels like a observation from a few years ago that, like, I think we need to go deeper into for, like, a modern, like, interesting angle that I don't think he did. Kind of the same mm. thing. There's another song that this one's, like, a little bit less serious. Um, he does a song about, like, white women's Instagram. And, like, that feels like a critique from, like, 2012 or something that's, like, not super funny anymore. Okay, I agree I don't with know. you. Like, no, no. I, I think that, like... Some of his things were funny, but it's just like, it's not really what I was expecting from like a top tier, like mm. very perceptive person that I, that I associate both with. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I get where you're coming from here. I actually agree with you. The, in terms of like the white women's Instagram thing, it felt a little bit behind. It felt a little bit like too late to the party for that. Um, Although I guess like, I don't know. I don't know, Luke. Like, it could still be relevant. Maybe we're just too like edgy. You know what I mean? Maybe. Okay. okay. I, I think that this is like, the critique of this is because I'm like expecting Bo as like a high level comedian that's very like perceptive and mm-hmm. takes like, I mm-hmm. think tries to like take on somewhat serious things Mm -hmm. and some of his like critiques that one in particular felt like a like a of an era in which like obama's charisma was keeping us from like recognizing all of the rest of the terrible things that are happening to us so like If that makes any sense. No, no, no. Yeah, I get it. We're, we're like, we could critic, critique shallow things, whereas now it's like, I don't care about that. <laughs> you know what I the mean? The world is falling apart. The West Coast is entirely engulfed in flames. Right. So the, so the like, issues ab- addressed, other, like, other than some yeah. that I think are obvious, yeah. seemed small. Yes. And I wasn't expecting them to be small based on the the reviews. Here's where I'm going to push back on this, though. Okay. I I think there's, like, a larger story that's being told, like, beyond... There's, like, a meta... And this... Oh, God, I sound so fucking pretentious when I say that. But there's, like, a larger <laughs> story that's being told that's about bo's relationship to like an audience and making something which he's like been exploring since the end of his last special when he was like he had that kanye rant and he is like if you can live without an audience uh and so i think like the larger special is exploring that and his relationship to that and also like how comedy can do anything like what comedy even is anymore given these like huge things which he addresses like the opening song not the the first song but like the opening song in the special he's like uh do i stop trying to be funny right and he's like the world is really fucked up 
what's the way, how do we do anything, about, how do I do anything about this, right? And so I think, like, there is a component where he is, like, wrestling with what is, like, is there a way we can make comedy that is helpful <laughs> and, like, sure, <laughs> right? And so I think, like, that's part of, that's potentially part of the joke is that it is, like, not really relevant anymore. And he is, like, it's kind of outdated at this point. Um, I don't know if that's I mean, I, the case. I think that that's, like, it's a fair point to make. Because he does have a few a few parts in there that address that kind of thing. I I think it's giving it a little bit too much credit when when we're, like, associating things that he didn't say explicitly. Um the explicit parts are good, mm-hmm. like when he is obvious about that kind of thing. So, for example, honestly, one of the best parts I thought was his, I don't know if you remember it, his like YouTube reaction. Oh, yeah. Where he keeps reacting to himself. Yeah. And it like kind of explores like his kind of self-loathing. And like goes self-awareness. Like I thought and, that like, was like yeah. phenomenal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was very good. There were a couple moments like that. But it felt like overall, I don't know, it's it still felt small mm. despite like some kind of larger moments, mm-hmm. if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that's fair. I still, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was great. Um, yeah, I was into it. So it's. I disagree with you, Luke. <laughs> I did feel like occasionally some of the things felt kind of small, but a lot of the time it felt very like, a, a, a lot of the time, some of it felt like personal to me and like how uh, isolation, like my experience of isolation during the pandemic. It felt like I connected with a lot of it. So I loved it. Sure. Sure. Oh, you lo- Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm coming That's out. I mean, I'm I... saying I loved it. Bo, come on the show. <laughs> I'm sure you, you definitely want to do this and uh, explore the backlash to the backlash of your of your special. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I st- like, I think it was good. I think Luke, don't lie. Like, Come on. I, I think you started that, like, this lo- by saying you didn't like it. <laughs> okay. Own up, own up to it. And let's talk about memories of ice, please. Okay. Let's, yeah, let's cut it there. Talk about memories of ice. Like I said, we've gone through part one. And we stopped there. First things first, Dan. Mm-hmm. I always got to. I always got to address the mood mm-hmm. of the book. I think different mood from last book. Oh, uh, certainly, yeah. Lester, like the stakes, seem much higher, but also less depressing. Uh, is my take yeah, so far? Absolutely, one hundred percent agree. Uh, there's more fun that's been happening in this one, and less just mm. wanton slaughter. Right. The charisma between some of our characters and the like fun that our characters are having is much higher than it was with Chain of Dogs and stuff like that. For sure. Plus, I think power levels are higher. Uh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, because the threat in this one is that the whole world is going to get destroyed in one way or another. Whereas in the last right. one, it was like, yeah, there's like a big war here on this one continent. <laughs> and maybe maybe funny. someone's going to assassinate the empress. 
Mm. Right. It's it's funny to think back in the last section of the previous book. Maybe we'll, I'm sure we'll get to it in this book, but when Kalam calls up Quick Ben on his cell phone, his rock cell phone. Yeah. And like asks for some help. And Quick Ben is like, dude, I have other things to do. <laughs> I got to get it now. Yeah, I also we will see because I'm assuming we'll see the moments, but we often were critiquing Quick Ben on not labeling thing because things because we assumed he had time. We'll see if that's true. Maybe it's maybe he didn't have time. Maybe he was too busy. Okay, first of all, he gave them to Kalam before Kalam left. That's true. So he for sure had fucking time. Okay, he had two months before any of this stuff happened. I do love that this is going to take place simultaneously to the the things that happen in Deadhouse Gates, partly because I think it will give a very funny contrast between like how serious we thought everything was in Deadhouse Gates to now like the crippled god potentially destroying the whole world and them having to figure out a way to stop that. So I do I do like how this like puts the other one in context of like, hey, maybe that wasn't so such a big deal, guys. Right. And the way that we get introduced to the stakes in this one, the opening, like in the prologue, a bunch of the elder gods team up to take on one dude. Do you remember this? This one guy? Yes. What? What's his deal? Like how? I don't understand. And and we learn later that his name is Kalor or Kalor. Right. And he is the high king or whatever. And I should also say, it sounds like he's the person that did the thing to the Imperial Warren. So maybe it wasn't the Jag Hut that we talked about last time. But I don't know. That's just a story. Who knows if it's true? Uh, <laughs> could be fake news. Okay. Could be. But what is his deal? Like... I don't understand how he's so powerful. Okay, yes. We like we haven't gotten a a like hard magic score on him yet. Right? Like we have uh this is why Anna Amanda Rake is powerful. Mm-hmm. Um we have like this is why kind of kind of how like Quick Ben is powerful. I don't know. Why Calvin Brood is powerful, some... right. We get Right. The backstory. Whereas, whereas Kellor, it's like, we don't really know anything about how he does things yet. Right, right. And, like, we know that the Elder Gods, like, did something to him. Like, cursed him somehow or whatever. And now he's, like, giving advice to Kaladin Brood. But, like, I don't think Kaladin Brood can just, like burn a whole realm's worth of people by thinking about it right he seems way more powerful than literally it took four elder gods to deal with him okay who is this guy (laughs) it's very unclear right now because it's also very clear like what the boundaries between ascendant and non-ascendant are and what that like really even means Mm mm-hmm because the the curse that was put on Kalor by our elder gods 
was basically that he will never ascend. Right? Yes. Yeah. And then let's like contrast him with ascendants that we do know. Mm-hmm. Kaladin Brood, Animander Rake being, I guess, the most obvious examples. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't, I, are they capable of like what Kalor did as well? It seem, I don't know. It seems like not. Because he did that before like, he ascended, right? He had not ascended. He totally just he like... still hasn't, to be clear. Still hasn't. He still hasn't ascended. But before he... And even if you get some like special extra powers when you ascend, he doesn't have those. Right. He completely destroyed a whole realm, turned it to ash. That's a lot of power, okay? <laughs> it's, it seems like a lot of power. Maybe it's like, maybe it was California and he was like, <laughs> had a gender reveal party. He was having a gender, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And, and you're because he also has, takes on the Elder Gods like three on one <laughs> in a weirdly casual like curse off <laughs> that I have a little bit of trouble understanding. Yeah. But maybe that's how magic worked for Back in the day. Yeah, um, maybe. Back before they discovered iron. Right. So I don't know what's going on with Kalor. Yeah. I will say the scene was very cool. Oh, the, like, incredible. Yes. Yes. The crippled gods falling out of the sky. He's really big. <laughs> the elder gods were very cool. Mm-hmm. Like... They are terrible people mm-hmm. in theory, right? In which, like, they are worshipped by doing terrible things. I think, like... Right, like blood being spilled and, like, and yeah, not good they stuff. They, like, gain... Yeah, they gain from a lot of blood and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But they seemed kind of cool. <laughs> well, you know, maybe they can't really help how they how they get power, you know? Sure. They they can't help it that their economy is based on blood sacrifice. Okay, that they mm-hmm. they just they were just born into the system. They didn't create it, right? Right. So. Right. They're not there, to, and they're not there to shake things up. No, either. no. They are elder gods. So. <laughs> but they seemed very cool. They had a cool relationship with each other. Mm-hmm. I thought, um, and. I'm not sure if we're going to get Cruel back. We saw him in the first book. Maybe we'll see him again. But we also still see uh, Nightchill. So <laughs> was not expecting to see any of Nightchill at all. <laughs> so, I mean, the Elder Gods are not are, are down, but they're not out, I think. Yeah, good point. Good point, Luke. We'll see if they if they come around to save the day, you know. Okay, I brought up Nightshell. I just have have one other note. So her 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 name was like the goddess of like chilly evenings or something like that. <laughs> and then she changed it to Nightshell, which is what Calor makes a joke about. Yeah. Um the curse that was on her was that she, I, something about like her going down because of betrayal. Yes. And she lived for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And then 
I feel like the ultimate betrayal that led to her downfall was kind of lame. Oh, yeah. For freaking sure, dude. It sucked. Like, if if I am a god or goddess and I'm cursed for, like, my ultimate downfall is going to be betrayal, I want it to be, like, a super dope, like, crazy twist betrayal. Not like, hey, this, like, high mage that you were following, like, uh is kind of incompetent and did this thing. Well, and like caused a demon to show up and slice you in a bunch of pieces. Like he right. wasn't just incompetent. He did murder you, but they, it didn't seem like they were super close. Right. Yeah. It didn't seem like a huge, like emotional betrayal. Right. I wanted her like lover to turn around and be like, I never loved you. And like rip her in half. Right. Like that's the betrayal that I'm like, damn, that's cold. And that's right. that's talking about night chill here. That's cold. All right. As an el- <laughs> exactly as an elder god, you deserve a better betrayal. Well, and the thing about that, if I'm cursed to be betrayed, and that's how my downfall, my head is on a swivel. <laughs> right. Okay. Okay. My next note, though, was going to be that the little the little meeting that our elder gods have after the curse, uh-huh. they're like, okay, we gotta like plan for this. And I think Nightchill, or long name that's the same thing as Nightchill, was basically like, okay, yeah, I'm going to be betrayed, so I got to, like, not get close to somebody or something like that. Yeah, sure. So it kind of makes sense that it ultimately was not that kind of betrayal, but still. I, yeah, but, like, if you have that kind of figured out, if you have isolated that as a possibility, you're looking for other forms of betrayal, Right. You're going to be like, Dan, okay. How, how are you going to live like that? Dan, <laughs> it's a tough way to live. All you got to do, Luke, here's all you have to do. You're only friends with people who are weaker and dumber than you. Ooh, love that. Easy, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, hey, you can bench three hundo? Sorry, I can't be your buddy. <laughs> I'm rocking, I'm rocking <laughs> maybe 150 on a good day, so we can't hang out. That's tough. Yeah. You gotta, yeah. Gym partners are always the weaker ones. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's good advice. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. So, like, I, I think you can, there are ways to get around it. Because then, like, ooh, actually, damn. Forget what I just said. Because if you do that, you're already cursed to be betrayed as your downfall. And if you're only friends with people who are dumber and weaker than you, that means one of them eventually is going to be your downfall and it's going to be so lame. Right. Yeah, the thing with this curse <sighs> is that, like, if you're being so cautious about everything, but it's like a curse, so it has to happen, I guess, the more cautious you are, the lamer your ultimate death is, right? Oh, no. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, if this kept going, she was just going to get, like, poisoned by a waiter that she, like, trusted to order water or something. And that's even worse. Yeah, that's actually a great point. Um, it's a very small, lame betrayal. Oh, shoot. Well, okay, now here's the thing. That lame betrayal can still happen even if you are putting yourself out there, Right. Which, like, we kind of saw with this one. Like, it wasn't as lame as it could get, right? But it was lamer than if the person she was closest to, like, suddenly turned on her and betrayed her, right? Um, mm-hmm. So you still are at risk of that happening. But you're much more likely 
to have such an epic betrayal as the way you go. If you're putting yourself out there, you know, getting out of your comfort zone a little bit. Right. At a certain point, you're like ready to go. And then I'm just, I'm falling in love with every person I meet, you know? (laughs) You're picking up every hitchhiker. You are like, yes, yes. Pouring my heart out to strangers on the street. Yeah, for sure. You're you're getting into politics real heavy. (laughs) Oh, yeah. This is such a good point. Yeah, okay. So maybe she didn't try hard enough, you know? Mm-hmm. Sure. And not to, not to, you know, victim blame here, but, like, maybe you should have risen a little higher in the ranks, Night Chill. <laughs> I'm, so, we're, I'm so twisted around our betrayal talk that I don't even know what we're talking about anymore. Um, speaking of betrayal. Let's, let's move on from Night Chill. Uh, speaking of betrayal, we learn... That we learn how Anamander Rake got his sword. Mm-hmm. And that is that he killed the person that made it and imprisoned them within the sword. Just picture for a moment. You're working at the forge, you know. You're making this sword and you're like, guys, this sword right here, it's going to be tight. Let me tell you what some of the features it's got. Uh, inside is a portal to the Warren of Darkness. And, uh, right at, or like surrounding that is a giant wagon that anybody this sword cuts has to pull for all of eternity. How crazy is that, guys? And everyone's like, it's a good idea. Everyone's like, um, I mean, it sounds effective, but I think that's terrible. Like the worst <laughs> thing ever that I've heard of. Um, so maybe don't. Maybe just make a normal sword that cuts people and get really good with that. Just practice, I guess. There's no shortcuts. Guy who's making a super goth sword, just practice with it. And he's like, no, 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 no. This is going to be the best sword of all time. Like, imagine the moment when he gets, when, when he, like, the tables turn on him and Rake is, like, bringing in the sword to cut him. Right. Okay. So here, this is the reverse of Night Chill, Dan, though, because the curse on him is the, like, the thing that you're making is your downfall. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So if he's like, ah, screw it, I'm going to make a normal sword, then he's just getting a normal sword stabbed through him eventually. And that's lame. Well, look, 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 hold on, though. Hold on. We haven't identified how Animander Rake actually got him in the sword. What if he was, like, showing Rake the sword? He was like, dude, check out this sword. Feel it. Just feel it for a second. Like, test the weight. Rake, Rake like, grabs the handle, slips on a banana peel, and, like, cuts him a little bit with the sword. And then it's over. And the next thing he knows, he's strapped to a wagon, and he's like, oh, fuck. I shouldn't have made it forever. I made it forever on the wagon. I should have, like, had a time limit. Right. I will say, to get somewhat more serious, <laughs> he when the, the same thing that happens with Nightshell, mm-hmm. where they're like, okay, we got to th- rethink these things. He says, like, the things that he's making has a sense of finality, and then he says he's going to rethink it. So... Oh, I think there might be. There might. I don't be know if out. a time limit is what we're looking at, 
but maybe Peron figured it out. Mm. Peron figured out the uh, the little the little loophole. The secret hole. Peron right. found the secret Some... hole. Okay. Not the loophole. The secret. The hole. The secret That's hole. Right. Yeah. I, well, here's the thing, though. This guy, he knew about the secret hole, right? Which who, who's the gu- sorry? Guy? The guy who made the sword. The guy who made the sword knows about the secret hole, of course. Yes. Did he go in? You think? I think that that's. I think that he's trapped in the secret hole, and we gotta get him out. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> now we're now we're getting somewhere. I don't know. I, like, there's some weird things going on, and I have a vague, like, connection between things. Because mm-hmm. there's also a little weird connection that I don't know what it means, where someone's talking about about Anamander Rake, and they kind of mirror this finality line. Mm-hmm. that was done in the prologue and so there's a little bit of a connection there but i don't know what it is <laughs> so keep an eye Val. for something yeah for sure Just for a thing do you feel a little bit bad for captain peron in this book so far um i mean yeah i i feel kind of a lot bad for captain peron okay like he's Tell having he's having some serious stomach pain you know, maybe maybe he's got Crohn's disease and he hasn't known it until now, or he's got some like stomach ulcers that are going untreated because of stress or something. Mm-hmm. On top of that, he's like holding on hope that his sisters are gonna make it through okay and that they're gonna be you know, his two sisters who he, he really cares about are gonna be just fine because they're you know, they're smart and they're fighters and they're gonna figure it out. Meanwhile, we we know the depths of of what has happened to his two sisters. And uh, I don't know if it's great. Uh, he does get that information too. So <laughs> um, right, that's kind of a blow. Uh, and then the whole thing with Tattersail being a child is got to be just like the worst, right? <laughs> okay. Okay. They slept together like twice though. I know we did roast them a little bit for moving extremely quickly and and Captain Perron being on the bo- the bow of a ship being like I'm going to wait for you Tattersail and like we're going to find each other and it was like okay you might be moving a little quickly. However, Luke, it sounded they like they had home. an animal magnetism. It it did. And that's true. To feel that directed towards a child has to be just the worst feeling of all time. Sure. Yeah. And, and, and yes. have everyone around you being like, hey, do you guys need like a room or something? And you'd be like, <laughs> dude, she's a she's like 10. No, it is. It is weird that everyone else is like, hey, you want to go? Like, I know that they're not referring to anything genuinely like sexual. Right. But it's still like, like it's not you don't have to be that weird about it. You know what I mean? Right. Right. And so it just, it feels like Peron has been just getting beaten up this whole time. Peron, I think, is uh, is big highs and lows for Peron. What are what are any of the highs, Luke? Give me <laughs> He's one of the them. Most powerful person alive, for one thing. He doesn't want that. <laughs> He, the last book ended and he was like, I don't want any gods meddling in my shit. I'm sick of it. I'm I'm over it. I just want to be a dude. Right. 
And now people are telling him he's the master of the deck of dragons. And he's like, no, I don't want that. I want to go home. Right. I get it. Like, yes, it's he doesn't want it. I get that. Sure. Okay. But you come on, buddy. You got it. <laughs> but you're super powerful, dude. There's a lot. A lot of people in this world have had things thrust upon them that they don't want. Oh, I think. I mean, sure, yeah. It's just. I guess of all I, the bad things he could be getting, he could be the dude that went to the crippled god and was like, "Hey, please, please heal my nutsack," and the god was like, "Oh, I'll heal your nutsack for you," and then just paralyzed him from the waist down. So you're right. That could have happened to Peron. And would have been bad. And so I guess... I just think Peron... Peron needs a change of perspective. Which I feel like we may have talked about in the first book. Yeah, we probably did. Um, I just feel bad for the guy. I, To be fair, I do I do too. But... But... You got... You got Talk the Younger killed last episode. But he's not actually killed. Okay, yeah, I was about to say. We called that with Talk. Good job for us, of course. Most if obvious reveal If we don't time. see a body... If we don't see a body, he's not dead. Right. And apparently, if even if we do see a body, they're not dead. So, like... Who, no one's dead. Who the fuck is even dead anymore? Um, but yeah, rough go of it for, for Peron. Rough go of it for Peron. Um, staying in this group, mm-hmm. I want to talk about Whiskey Jack. Okay, yeah. Has there ever been anyone with allegedly better vibes Ooh. than Whiskey Jack? Because, like, every time a character sees Whiskey Jack, they're like, that dude rules. (laughs) And I don't get it. Okay. I don't, like, I think that maybe in this world, like, auras are a big Mm -hmm. thing. Not literal, like, auras, like, crystal healing kind of thing. But, like, the the thing that I was thinking of, actually, is in in the cradle books mm-hmm. when you get like more powerful you like you exude like a force. fill out and get buff and you get like better oh, skin sh- and stuff like that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like every time you uh level up yes i to a much lesser and less obvious extent i'm kind of getting vibes like that mainly just with whiskey jack though i don't in know. which like when you're super cool you get like or like have done really awesome things, you get a vibe, I think, that people pick up on. Okay, I think that's true. It's definitely a vibe. I think he's got magnetic charisma. I don't think he. But is, even I don't think he's getting like buff. I think he's got a gimp leg, and yes, yes. To be, this is why I'm saying like a vibe, not like buff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no, no. It's I'm, not the same thing as Cradle, but... I'm with you here. I think he definitely exudes a vibe. I think he might also be just like um, classically good-looking as well because the the Tristy on... Uh, Tristy Andre? Is that what they're what they're called? <laughs> I've been to saying... Tristy... Tristy Andre? Tristy Yeah, there we go. Anyway, this one woman is like talking about how whiskey jack is good looking right and it's like i mean okay you're like a unaging elf who apparently they're all super hot and you think that this human 
who has like a bum leg is is also hot. He must be good looking. Right, but this is the thing though. This lady has lived for like <laughs> a few hundred thousand years and is infatuated with Whiskey Jack. Mm. It can't be just his looks because otherwise it would be like the only thing I'm hearing about. Okay. I'm agreeing with you, Luke. I think I'm <laughs> I think I'm totally agreeing with you. He has a charisma that is undeniable. I think he also is hot. Yeah, yes. Right? But yes. but I do I think, think it's mo- I think it's more the vibe though. I think the vibe has more of an impact. I agree with you 100%. I agree with okay. you 100%. Whiskey Jack has got a vibe that is undeniable. I'm here for it. I I agree with you, Luke. Okay. Something that does not have a good vibe. Calling your money councils? Mm. Stupid. Bad name for money. Don't ever do that. What are you doing? How much is this? A hundred councils. That sounds, one, sounds dumb. Two, like, could be confusing. It's already a thing. A council is already a thing. And it's a totally different thing. It's like an abstract meeting. You can't use it to refer to money. Oh, look right. at that council over there. Well, are you pointing to a gold coin that fell on the ground or a group of people having a discussion? And I get, I get the people of Darugistan, the, count, the council there got to pick what they called the money and they were like, well, I mean, come on, guys. This is pretty easy what we call it, right? <laughs> Anybody opposed? I didn't think so. But I, yeah, just I, I agree with you here. Stupid name for money. Try again, please. Please. It's new. You can change it still. It's only been like two months. It can be anything. Since we're since we're on Darujistan, mm-hmm. I just want to say, very hyped to see our our boys, our Daru boys, Krupp. Oh for yeah, one thing. Mm-hmm. Love Krupp. We all love Krupp. Um, Cole. Mm-hmm. Seems a little bit less cool than I was hoping for so far, but mostly just because he's been like. Super mad at Krupp the whole right, time. Right, he's been like, Krupp, shut the fuck up. We're trying to do business here. <laughs> but uh, I just want to... I'm just saying this because I want to acknowledge how funny Krupp is, I guess. Yeah, he's really good. I love the timing of Krupp when there's that really tense moment when they're thinking of killing Silver Fox and he just comes flying in on a table. <laughs> Outstanding. Great timing. Great comedic timing, Krupp. Uh, you're doing a great job. No notes. Great job. Yeah, I think Marilio is there too. Marilio is there too. He is yet to make a... Because he's being overshadowed by Whiskey Jack over here. That's a good point, actually. We talked, we talked about Marilio just being hot with vibes, but he's going up against Whiskey Jack and it's tough. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Whiskey Jack has very George Clooney vibes, I think. Mm, sure. Anyway. Luke, I think I think these realms need a sport. We've talked about this in the past, how there's not a lot of good sports in fantasy. I don't think we have heard a single instance of a sport talked about yet. Sure, they do dueling, but that's basically just fighting for fun. Uh, they need like a different sport. I don't want to talk about what that sport looks like, though. I want to talk about why they need a sport. Okay. Everybody 
is just waiting around for some kind of a religious crusade to happen. We need something else to look forward to, okay? Mm. Because there's a lot there seems to have been a lot of religious crusades so far. Yes. Over on the in the Seven Cities, currently there's an apocalypse happening because everybody's just like looking for something to do, I guess. And then now there's like a big religious group in but in like where Darugistan is and it's about to just like kill a bunch of people with like this figurehead that's leading them. Sounds very similar to like the whirlwind vibes vibes. Right, it does. Let's get a football team for everybody to root for. And they're too busy to be like, oh, yeah, let's go join a cannibal cult. (laughs) They're like, no, I got to watch the the Darugistan fishermen this week. (laughs) (laughs) The Darugistan assassins. I got to go watch the Darugistan assassins play against the Malazan Marines this week. That's, uh, yeah. That's a good matchup. Uh, Malazan, the Malazan squad has a larger population to pick from, so maybe unfair. But I agree with you. I think that sports may be one of the best examples, but I think that you can broaden this to just like more leisure activities in general, which I have seen very little evidence of so far. It's like either you're in a murderous cult or you're like playing cards with a very important magical deck of cards. <laughs> right, you're playing poker. It's like we need some low stakes fun things to do. Have we seen any musicians? I honestly don't know. I know. I can't recall any musician that has been named yet. There might have been musicians at the big party that happened in Darugistan that we just didn't get a name for. But we've yet to meet a character who's like, oh, you guys are all soldiers? Every one of you is a soldier? Okay, I play the trumpet. That's what I do. Right. Uh, We're getting a very one-sided crowd here. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I do think that sports would be a big one. What's Would be a big thing. It would also, like have a a like outlet for for aggression for one thing but but like the anger between different like cities mm-hmm. and cultures i feel like sports would be a great outlet for right that. right and imagine the ascendants don't really care if mortals live or die it sounds like so how about we just let them live and we solve our disputes over a game of cricket or something you okay so you said like s- the teams are based on cities mm-hmm. which i was assuming too we we got to have teams based on gods too right oh absolutely yeah and guess what you can use all There's your powers leagues. you can use all your powers in the game even okay we, we'll do different sports right one sport the like divisions are the like priesthoods mm-hmm. and then you can use all your powers other sport we're doing regional Mm-hmm. regional teams yes yes just like i love that what? but yeah like this way look hey uh hey maranth yeah i know pale's been like crushing you guys economically you don't have to go in and murder a very specific number of them you can just beat them at football next week it's better more productive spend more time on your youth leagues 
develop a great program and crush him on the field. Mm-hmm. It's how we do things. Uh, that would be so great. Ah, uh, yeah, we need that. We need some some leisure activity that's not murdering people in this world. Would be so great. I'm gonna leave this. I'm gonna assign the role of this to talk the younger. And here's why. Hmm. Talk is hanging out with our boy Tool, mm-hmm. the Talanimos. Mm-hmm. Tool, like others of his kind, have lived for 300,000 years. It's very deep wealth of knowledge there and experience. Oh, hey, buddy, uh, what's the best sport you've seen? Give me some games. What were you doing for that time to, to like, to not, to stay like lively no give me some ideas on fun activities luke this is the problem you're not asking the right person you i think no no no, no. I, that's not true talk the younger is the one to solve it but not because he's gonna go to tool and be like tell me about a game he's gonna say tell me about a game and tool's gonna be like what is a game they've okay, they've true. not done this yet this is a new thing that talk is inventing and so we need some fresh ideas. We need somebody who's not going to be trying to like delve into the past and figure out, you know, come up with some weird card game that involves dice and stabbing people. Like, right. We need something brand new. Okay. And I'll say this. We were very close when Coltane was doing those like simulation battles. We were like mm. almost to a sport. We were so close. Ah. But we missed our opportunity there. Right. Very close, almost to one that doesn't quite so explicitly do violence. <laughs> um, I think that's fair. But to my, I, I bring up talk and tool because we're really underutilizing tools like willingness to answer questions Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. he seems pretty willing to yeah and we're not taking enough advantage of it i think of a of a person that's lived for that long give me some wisdom tool yeah i agree 100 percent with you here he might not be the one to invent soccer but you should be picking his brain every night around the fire for something yeah for sure for sure it can be stories it can be what are what are like the deep questions that you've been pondering mm-hmm. recently. Best way to tool. best way to cut a mango. Yeah, he's got to have figured it. Well, they don't eat, but I take your point. It's tough. No one's figured it out yet. Yeah, sports and cutting a mango—the two uh, two mysteries in life. The, the big two. Can we talk about the Talanamas broadly? Yeah. Kind of I really hope that there's something that makes them like less of psychopaths. You hope there's some like some at least some reason they're genociding the Jag Hut. Is that what you're saying? They have like set aside everything. Took this ritual that makes them live forever. Uh Uh-huh. Only... (laughs) To murder the Jag Hut, and I have seen no reason for it. (laughs) 
Right, right. It seems like the only real dangerous Jag Hut we've encountered are the ones who've just gotten so sick of the Talana Moss's bullshit that they were like, you know what? I'm going to do murder. You made me do it. I'm going to turn to murder now. Right. I have no idea. So I'm going to need something from you guys. I don't know. I'm wondering if we're ever, if we're just never going to get anything and it's just like, yeah, that's just how the Talani Moss are. (laughs) They're, you know, they're pretty cool with pretty much everybody except for the Jag Hut. And there is something there. (laughs) We don't know what it is. (laughs) You gotta think though, these guys have lived that long Mm -hmm. that every now and then someone's like, I'm, I can convince them. (laughs) I can talk some sense into it. So like, Every single Talana Moss has had someone come up to them like every couple years that's like, hey, have you guys really thought about this? For 300,000 years, they have been accosted by the... At that point, it's about stubbornness, right? At that point, I'm sure they've heard some good reasons throughout there, but they're like, you know what? I've put in all this like effort to be immortal. I have to, I have to do it. <laughs> right. It doesn't matter if you give me a good reason not to at this point. I'm committed. I got the tattoo. You guys you guys don't understand. I already decided this. Right. It's too much, Talanamas. It's, it's way too much, y'all. Especially too because there's like moments it like really messes with my moments where the Talanamas seem to be doing cool stuff. Like when the once the one Talanamas seals the wounded Warren and is subjected to like an eternity of pain in order to like save the Warrens. And it sounds like it's a very cool self-sacrificing thing. I'm like, yeah, that's cool. But why are they immortal again? (laughs) Oh, because they're genociding the Jag hut who were just minding their own business. Huh? Right. I'm going to do a, uh, nonsense theory. That's going to connect. Oh yeah. Okay. To the rest of this episode. We've got to. Yeah. My theory is that there were sports. Ooh. And the Jag Hut beat the Talanamas. <laughs> <laughs> and they're just not over it. And it's been a warning for everyone. And everyone's like, okay, we're not doing sports. This is a sports rivalry that's gone too far. You're saying war started because of sports. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> I will say, the Jag Hut do not seem like a, a, a teamwork kind of group, but... Well, have you ever seen those... There's got to be a reason that there's no sports. Have you ever seen And there's those... got to be a reason that the Talanamas hate the Jag Hut. I think that's two stones. Sorry, two birds. <laughs> have you ever seen those videos of, like, a professional soccer player playing against, like, a hundred children? Yes. Where they're just, like destroying them maybe that's what it was like with the jag hut like the talanamas came up with a really cool game that they had a lot of fun playing amongst themselves and one time a jag hut was like oh that looks kind of fun can i hop in and the talanamas like you probably wouldn't get it we've been practicing this for centuries we're really good at it and the jag hut just demolishes a whole team mm-hmm. just wipes the floor with them single-handedly and was like that eh, was fun but a little boring and the talanamas like have not gotten over that that one instance the, yeah this is what i think that it is mm-hmm. and so in their dark secret hours when they're not hunting jag hut they're practicing the sport out of spite they've lost right. it's lost all fun for them long ago 
It's a spiteful play now. Exactly. <sighs> um. Spoiler. Yeah. How is Spindle allowed to keep wearing the shirt? We got to get it off. <laughs> Y'all, I get it that it's like got sentimental value to him, but I have to live in proximity with Spindle. I mean, there's got to be some standards of hygiene that we're enforcing in our army because nobody wants to sleep in the same tent as Spindle and his old dead mom's hair shirt. Right. Uh, Like... I would think that armies like the Malazan army would have, like, hygiene rules. Right, right. Well, maybe this is why one arm went outlaw. Because he refused to do hygiene rules. Right. He was like, hey, if you join my army, you can wear whatever shirt you want. And Spindle was like, yes! (laughs) I could put my old dead mom shirt back on. It It could be it. It could be it. I do think that we got to get some higher ups that are like, okay, like you've, there's been a lot of complaints because it's ridiculous. That's true. It is ridiculous. And there's got to be a lot of complaints about it. Um, Maybe they've just got bigger things to worry about right now. Mm. Like there's an active war going on. They're trying to, like, stop an apocalypse from happening. Maybe they're just, like, these complaints are piling up. And finally, when we stop doing war, they're going to be going through and be like, oh, when was this dated? Five years ago? Oh, no. How many of these did we get? We got 300 complaints about Spindle's shirt. And nobody told me about this. This could have taken five minutes to deal with. (laughs) Well, okay. Yeah, I guess we did have other things. Well, I'll call Spindle in here. Yeah. Yeah. It's coming soon. As soon as things settle down, which they see they're going to, for sure. Oh yeah, absolutely. This this whole thing seems to be wrapping up nicely, <laughs> and then we'll get Spindle's shirt taken care of. Yeah, that seems about right. That's the end of the that's the end of the series, book ten. Um, <laughs> the the last note that I have, we have talked about Rake's appearance before. Mm-hmm. But he just keeps up in the game. Mm-hmm. His entrance mm. in this book, just a masterclass. Big black dragon lands and like does a cool transformation and Rake steps out of the like swirling mist. Yeah. That's sweet. It's tight as hell, dude. It's tight as hell. And I would follow this guy to the end of the earth. I don't even care. Yeah, I'd do whatever he said. How could all of these people be bored when you have this guy as your leader? Are you kidding me? The theatrics alone. Outstanding. Theatrics. (laughs) So outstanding. How does anyone else have followers? This dude is phenomenal. He's got a floating city and the style of a magician, but like a cool one. Yeah. (laughs) I do like... I do like, in an early scene, the group that we haven't talked about because they're new to us, um, the little, like, caravan guards. Mm -hmm. One of them, I forget his name, the the leader. Okay, yeah. Sees these two, like, magician guys that are really weird and seemingly evil. 
that are wearing all black. And yeah. it's like, that's so last year, man. <laughs> I did love this as well. Yeah. Yeah. See, but with Rake, so it's timeless. With Rake, it's timeless. You know what I mean? I don't Rake, it's for sure timeless. I don't think he's keeping up with the year-to-year fashions. I think he has just developed a style that is so iconic and Rake that it is timeless. Oh, this it guy. is. I'm very. I am curious if his, if it's like natural to him at this point, to make to make these kind of dramatic entrances. I feel like yeah, he's been doing this for tens of thousands of years. Maybe early on it was a little right. awkward, you know. Early on, maybe he was making these entrances, but he didn't have the reputation to back it up. So everyone was like, "Dude, just chill out. You're being a little pretentious right now." We get it. You're a dragon. Woo. But now he's got the rep for it. He got the sword, so he's got the rep. And everyone's mm-hmm. like... Everyone's... He's got the sword. He's got the main. Mm-hmm. Everyone's into it now. Everyone's into it. Yeah. Also, I, I realized uh, a potential solution to our spicy dilemma. Because Rake does smell spicy. He does. It's right when he transforms. Yes. It is right when he transforms, but I I thought that the Solotakin smelled spicy all the time. Is that right? I did too. Okay. I have a solution to that. Because I searched through Gardens of the Moon to see if anybody mentioned that Anamander Rake smelled spicy. Nobody did. However, we're in the middle of a big city. And in this city, there's a lot of merchants. And a lot of these merchants are selling spices. Luke. So Rake, Rake is just like walking by spice stands all day long. Somebody smells a little spice on him, on his, on his collar. And he's like, oh yeah, I was just over at Timothy's Spices Plus getting a little coriander for dinner. Okay. Okay. You're saying that you have, I, and I love that we're on episode three of this, um, you're saying that to get away with the spicy uh-huh. scent, yeah, you gotta be in a place where everyone smells spicy. Yeah, or at least you have an excuse for spice, or like be known for like, hey, that's Anamanda Rake. He really likes uh, spicy food. He's into cumin, like really into cumin. Loves it. G- give give him some fancy cumin for his birthday. That's what he wants. He'll get hype. Trust me. I think that's fair. Yeah. yeah. I think that's how he got away with it. Uh, because there's no mention of it in Gardens of the Moon, but there are mentions of spice merchants. So, gotta be it. Gotta be it. I love that you went through Gardens of the Moon for this. Um, you know, that's the, kind of, that's the kind of quality content you get on this show, Luke. You get, you get in-depth research, you get fact checks, and you get theories that just make a lot of sense. That's just what totally. that's what we're here for, you know? That's all we do. That's right. And you know what? You can count on us coming back next week. Finish it. We're getting to the, the halfway point of Memories of Ice. And we're gonna be hitting you with hot takes. And acting like dumb nerds. Yeah.